Hey, how's it going? Welcome back to the Football Die podcast. It's been another fantastic weekend of Premier League action. I'm Mike and I'm here with Dave to discuss all of the, the main headlines from what's been quite a goal-filled weekend, really. Starting with the North London derby, which ended 2 all between Tottenham and Arsenal. A scintillating game there. We'll be analysing the impact of James Madison in particular and the role he's been playing in Spurs' revival this season. We'll also be looking at Newcastle's thrilling 8-0 win over Sheffield United, which is a record away victory for them, involving eight different goal scorers. Dave was there to watch that game. He'll be talking through how they managed to pick Sheffield United apart so seamlessly. And we'll be asking the question as well whether Liverpool, who are now second in the Premier League, are actually in a title race now. An interesting question, I'm sure one that Liverpool fans will be thinking about um, over the next few weeks if results go the same way they are now. But first of all, Welcome to the pod, Dave. Good to see you, mate. Um, we won't talk about United too much this week because we've given them a lot of airtime over the last like three or four weeks. They won nonetheless. But how are you? How's your weekend been? Good. Yeah, great. Watched a lot of football. It's been a mad Sunday, yeah. hasn't it? With like four or five games all were running at the same time. Yeah. How have you managed to like keep on top of it? I've had a couple of screens on the go at my house. I don't know about you. Not just watching uh, Premier League, but I've been to watch my nephew two days in a row in the, the last six-year-old left nephew the last couple of days, and uh, he's Blimey. won both games as well. So uh, and a bit more to cheer about. A bit better display than what United were putting in anyway. <laughs> <laughs> not difficult these days, though, that. But um, let's not talk about United too much. Um, I want to start, if we can, at uh, the North London derby between Arsenal and Tottenham at the Emirates, which finished 2 all. And I think on reflection, feels like a fair result because it was a pretty end-to-end game. And from my perspective, I think that I was worried for Spurs within the first like half an hour. Obviously, Arsenal took the lead. Um, a deflected shot from from Saka, which was you know really fortunate for Arsenal. But I think Spurs looked a little bit shell-shocked and a little bit frightened, like the occasion was getting the better of them for, for a good half an hour until they sort of broke the deadlock themselves and scored their own first goal. But it was a real test of character for them, and I think they passed it, didn't they? And they've had a lot of tests so far this season that they've overcome with some comfort, I would say. And the, the duo of James Madison and, and Son Heung-min has just been fantastic for them. And this game was no exception, was it? No, and you rightfully mentioned there about obviously how they managed to hold it together with obviously we went down obviously one nil was quite a unfortunate goal really Romero probably should have you know just dangled a leg out didn't he and got an unfortunate deflection but I'm, I've been really impressed with just how they've actually navigated their way through this game and how they responded to actually going behind. Um, when they did because the atmosphere was ab- absolutely electric and the Arsenal fans were just, you know, it was an amazing atmosphere. Um, but the, the whole structure to their team, it's just, it's come so far in such a small amount of time. And that's the most impressive thing for me is that there seems to be such a spirit and a a real kind of rapport between these players. And I think James Madison came out, didn't he, before this game and said it feels like, you know, something special is is growing, you know, it might be a bit yeah. premature to say that, but if if he feels, you know, that way about the whole team with the little amount of time he's spent around it, that clearly they've got something really good going there. And I mean, the game itself, it it was a, you kind of turn back time a little bit to when we did have these really entertaining derbies, obviously the Spurs of the last couple of years, it's it's not been, they've not been the same team um, not really it's not really been as competitive at all um but this game was just on another level and i think gary neville said on commentary didn't he so it was one of his it's one of his favorite fixtures um to watch over the years but 
Yeah, I, I mean, the quality of Arsenal's goals weren't probably, you know, nowhere near as good. I, th- I thought the equalising mm. goal was really well put together. I thought Madison yeah. was outstanding in this game, um, as he's been all season. Obviously, could be looking for another Player of the Month award at this rate, the way he's playing. And thankfully, yeah. he didn't get injured because he had that really innocuous fall, didn't he, where he sort of landed straight legs and jarred his knee, which it yeah. didn't look good at all at the time. But somehow he recovered from that. But the way they put together that first goal, and obviously he turned, didn't he, on the edge yeah, of the brilliant. box, managed to keep the ball in play. And Son, that was a ridiculous finish. And I know, yeah. I know we mentioned before the game, didn't we, just saying the dynamic that they seem to be building between them. It's magic, yeah, it's great. I mean, I think I said before we recorded as well, the loss came, but Son's kind of stepped into the Kane role. He's the goal-scoring threat. The Madison is the new Son. He's here, there and everywhere. And like you say, the way he turned for that goal, was it Saka, I think he, he turned, didn't he, in that corner of the mm. pitch and got himself into the, the danger area, played it across goal and, and, you know, still a lot to do for Son. But like you say, his finish was absolutely fantastic. And two goals for Son. Uh, if there was any doubt about his ability, he's now, you know, captain material for Spurs, for Spurs, I think. And he's proven that he's a big influential player for them still, you know. And um, I think that's one of the things that Ange Postacoglu has worked on a lot, is building relationships with his players and giving them the the feeling that they can take on the world and that last season is a distant memory. And the performances of, of last season under previous management are not something they need to think about anymore. You know, this is a new era for them. And it feels like it in every way. And almost like the Antonio Conte era does feel like a couple of years ago instead of just in the last 12 months in some ways. So Posta Coglu's got, again, so much credit to take for this. James Madison, you're right. If when he fell to the pitch with his uh, clutch in his knee, thinking this is their season coming to a halt straight away, isn't it? Because if he was out of the picture injured for any length of time, they'd feel his his absence particularly, wouldn't they? But what is it that you think Madison brings to this team and what he brought to this game that kind of brings Spurs alive, do you think? I think he's the one player in that team that is always aware of his surroundings. He's always looking to quicken the tempo when he gets the ball into feet. He's always on the half turn, receiving mm. the ball into feet. Um, he's always looking for that forward pass, to make the pass that makes a difference. In a way, he's very similar, I'd say, in the way he tries to affect games. He's a little bit like Bruno Fernandes, but... I, that he looks to make these these passes, these you know, that carry a bit of risk to them. Um, but he's just so elegant on the ball, isn't he? And just glides across the pitch. Um, I think, you know, he's had, he couldn't have dreamt of a better start to the season, really, the way he started with. And if you think, was it £35 million that he signed for? Yeah, the money's... The money's fantastic. And you think some of the money that's been spent on other players um, for a similar fee and what kind of calibre that's attracted. The, to get Madison into the team seamlessly is is great business. And Posta Cogley was saying in an interview with Gary Lineker, I don't know if you saw it yesterday, but it went out where he was saying how it's almost like he had no fears whatsoever about Madison fitting into the team. You knew what he was getting. It was literally ready-made for Tottenham. And I think about Tottenham players and players that are sort of made for their system and traditionally how Tottenham play. Madison feels like a Spurs player, doesn't he? He feels like the kind of creativity they tend to get in positions like that. And he was magnificent again. But to all, do you think it was a fair result? I mean, for me, I think it was kind of a bit harsh on Tottenham in the end. You know, I think Arsenal were pretty lucky in some respects. I did worry about the way Spurs were set up with no real width in the attack. Um, They have had two holding midfielders, which I get why they were doing that. But Arsenal was such a threat down the flanks and I think they looked like they were going to be exploited more often than they were, but they held firm. 
Um, so what did you make of Spurs' setup as well and and how they dealt with the Arsenal threat? I thought Basuma was, again, fantastic in this game. He really is the glue, actually, in that midfield that he's able to transition mm. the ball from defence into attack. He's not just good, obviously, you know, his his passing is the way he just carries the ball through the field. And we've always known he was a big talent at Brighton and, you know, we've echoed that he, he was a player that, and he could play for any top team in the, in the league, I, I feel. Um, I think they've actually got a really good acquisition there and we're really starting to see his sort of presence in the team, I feel. Um, he was really important in this game and he was able to sort of manage the game at times and keep hold of possession for Tottenham when they needed to keep possession. I also feel they've improved a lot in playing out from the back. You mentioned they looked a bit iffy at the start. I think that was mainly down to Udogi who played a couple of sort of wasn't really aware of his surroundings. He played, I think Enketia was it, who ran for on goal and had a good opportunity. They nearly scored from it, would have made it 2-0 which, you know, would have been an uphill battle. But I think apart from that, they really grew into the game Um, and I think it's just testament to Spurs that they were able to respond you know, so quickly to both of the goals, um, I think the penalty was a little bit harsh for me. I, yeah. I can see why they gave it, and obviously, with VAR, and they're probably they're never going to overturn it because VAR is just an absolute joke at the minute, and that doesn't matter mm. on the the decision at the minute. It seems that it seems they are pretty much eight nine times out of ten just side with the referee. Um, I think that's or, the question I want to ask VAR though is what should the player have done in that situation because like there's no way as you're going down to ground like that that you can move your hands out of the way because you're going well, to land on your face aren't you if we t- if for example if we speak about the one against United a few weeks ago when mm-hmm. it was struck from what probably 15 yards yeah. away from the player um, plenty of time to respond his, to that his arm was out mm-hmm. right here but there's a big difference to then having your hand pretty much in front of your body, almost. Well, he so diverted not... the path of the ball, didn't he? That's the thing. And that's the thing I think the referee was looking at. But I have no idea at that speed and at that proximity that's what, what it's I mean. meant it to was, do. It was such, such a, dis- like a close distance that what are you really meant to do? Mm. Um, and I'm not so sure whether it was actually going to hit his body behind his arm anyway. I think his hand was pretty much right in front of his body. Yeah. I, I, I just think, I don't really know where we're going with, you know, the rulings and we've spoken so much about it over the last few weeks, how kind of frustrated we are by it all. And there's not really an understanding behind it for me at the minute. Um, yeah. I, I, th- I think it was borderline. I, I thought it was harsh for me. I, I, I wouldn't have given that as a penalty. No, I agreed. When I saw the decision to go and check the the initial ruling, I thought to myself, it's going to get given as a penalty. The thing is, he was on the way down as well. He was on the way down to the floor. So he's already unbalanced. It's not like, you know, like saying his body, his arm right away from his body. It was, you know, within, you know, it was quite close in really. Mm -hmm. So I don't really know what he could have done there. No, absolutely nothing really. Um, So on the back of this result, both teams have got identical records now. They're both still unbeaten. Um, both looking likely to challenge for a top four spot at the very least. Um, obviously, it's early days. We don't know what the title race is going to look like. How do you see both teams 
and their prospects this season after this game and after the season so far, Dave? Because I think obviously Spurs can obviously look a lot higher than we first imagined they'd, they'd look at finishing. Because I had them at finishing maybe top eight, you know, maybe looking for a European place again and have a season of transition. And I think Ange Postacoglu has tried to almost play it down as if that is the goal. You know, we'll we'll try and do as well as we can do, but not really set any lofty expectations because it is a transitional season. I think they could do easily top six and get them back into that position again, don't you? Well, they've kind of gone under the radar a little bit, haven't they, at the start of the season? I think, like you mentioned there, the, the expectations hasn't really been there. Mm. Um, and I think the fans have just been happy to be in a new a new era, so to speak, and kind of obviously experience it in this new brand of football that he's brought in and, you know, it's been really enjoyable to watch. Um so yeah, I I think top six would be, you know, an achievable proposition for them. Um, Arsenal, I think, I just I know they mentioned in the game felt like that at times they were running out of ideas, especially towards the end of the game when you kind of thought, well, they should be really pushing on to get the winner here. Yeah, but, I thought Nketiah had probably a, a, his worst game in an Arsenal shirt and he's been pretty impactful whenever he's appeared for them lately. And he's rightly been given his, his chance to to take you know that position and that number nine position and make it his own. But this game, I thought he was he was poor, really poor. Havertz again, missed a couple of good chances to even get the shot on target. Jorginho obviously came on in place of Rice and, and gave away the, the second goal. So there's a few players that had a bit of a nightmare. But what about the goalkeeping position? Because obviously David Rye has come in and he's held down that place now. With no fault against Rams- Ramsdale, I don't think Ramsdale can look at his previous performances and go, yeah, I deserve to be on the bench. But when you sign two quality keepers, that's the kind of debate that you bring up. He had another great game, David Raya, didn't he? So, I mean, how do you see the Arsenal goalkeeping position now? Do you feel for Ramsdale in some ways or do you think Raya is actually a better fit for their system? I don't think there's a great deal between them, the two keepers. Um, I think Raya's probably slightly better shot stopper. And I think that was shown in the stats last year in the Premier League. I think he was yeah. top for most stats for goalkeepers. So I don't think they can have any, he can have any arguments because he's a great keeper. Having said that, Ramsdale's not really done a lot wrong, um, but it, it definitely helps to you know to have competition for, for spaces in, in the squad and to to have that there. It kind of does help you raise your game, obviously. Um, so I'd. He probably will. He will obviously feel aggrieved because, like, like I mentioned, he's not really mm. done a great deal wrong. But there's plenty of games in this season. Like I mentioned, obviously Arsenal yeah. back in the Champions League as well. So I can imagine they're going to get their share of games. I think he's stylistically a, a almost slightly better fit for Arsenal's backline, Raya. Um, I think he, his distribution's really good as well. I think when they're on the counter, which they tried to do a lot against Tottenham, he found the right pass with a really good throw more often than not and found his man. Um, and I think down the flanks, that worked really well. So from that point of view, I see why he's more beneficial to the team in some ways. But again, there's not much in it. And yeah, Ramsdale was on the bench, to be fair, looking pretty pretty gracious about the way it was going. The mm-hmm. cameras were concentrating on him a couple of times, especially after Ryan made a really great save one time. You Brennan see, Johnson, wasn't it? From Brennan Johnson, He sort of yeah. sprawled across the, his goal line, didn't he? Really last minute sort of quick reflexes stop, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Where he pushed the ball away and uh, you could see like an air applause from Ramsdale, which, you know, I can imagine he's a really gracious guy and he'll look at it in a in a way where if he does get his chance, he'll, he'll take it and work his, hard, his hardest to keep the, the, the kind of gloves really in that number one position. But yeah, you'd have to feel aggrieved, really. But I suppose competition's good. In the goalkeeper position, there's been a kind of a mixed 
opinion really as to whether having two very good top class goalkeepers is is a positive thing or not. But we'll we'll wait and see, won't we, what effect that has on on either of them really. But for now, it seems like Raya's got the gloves and he's, he's keeping them. So fair play to him. But moving on, Dave, the next game, I've, I'll have to kind of be honest, I've not seen much of it because a quick kind of bit of context for anyone listening. We have got um, a Sunday recording this time, Sunday evening. We've waited for the games to finish, recorded straight after, and we've just let the Newcastle game finish against Sheffield United. And it finished 8-0. I've not seen any of the highlights even yet, but you watched the game live, didn't you? Um, it's an outstanding result on paper, first of all, especially when you look at the fact that eight different players scored each of the goals, which has to be some kind of record, surely. But 8-0 for Newcastle is a record away victory. Sheffield United, I'm guessing, were absolutely abysmal. Was it as one-sided as it appeared? Did Sheffield United ever look like getting into it? And there can't be any question now, can there, that Newcastle have got any kind of hangover from Champions League football, surely? No, I think if you watch the first 20-25 minutes of this game, you wouldn't have ever imagined it to have you know, turned out the way it has. Um, I think for the first 20-25 minutes, I thought Sheffield United made a good account of themselves. Um, they created a couple of opportunities. Luke Thomas had a couple of really good chances at the back post, which failed to convert. But it all really kind of, their downfall came about after the, the first goal, um, they find space too easy and behind, uh, and they're punished. And then it becomes two one nil quickly becomes two, and then three in the matter of, mm. matter of two or three minutes. And that was really where they all felt they they kind of just fell apart. Um, two set pieces, which you know they were undone by Dan Byrne and Botman, which made it two or three nil. But. I just felt like it was just too easy at times um, for Newcastle. So, having said that, you know they were outstanding. They were yeah. absolutely brutal in the way they kind of took them apart from the seams. They really exposed them in areas where they knew they could hurt them, particularly kind of stretching them and making the pitch as wide as they could. I thought Anthony Gordon was outstanding. Yeah. Um, Anderson had a really good game in midfield. One player I thought was out of this world was Kieran Trippier. Obviously, got three assists in this game. Yeah. But his, his cross, the bit of play for Callum Wilson's goal was so good. A bit of interplay, neat interplay around the box. And he's just a, such a cute little ball into the box. And Callum Wilson couldn't really miss, to be honest. Um, it's, a, it's a really momentous result for Newcastle because... Let's not forget they did have a, a tricky run at the start of the season. They've obviously turned it round in the last couple of weeks. A really good point against a very good Mil- Milan team and yeah. a hard place to go away. Um, obviously, they lost again. I think the last loss they had was against Brighton, um, a really good Brighton team. And that, mm-hmm. like we mentioned, they had a really tough string of result uh, of teams to play at the beginning of the season. I think they they're coming up to a bit of a fa- more favourable run now. Um, apart from they've got to play Man City in the Cup and PSG in the Champions League next, which will be a real test of their metal, let's not forget. Yeah. Um, but I think the main thing for me, and you mentioned it, Mike, is obviously eight different goal scorers. Um, it just shows the quality that they've got all around the pitch and everyone contributing. It was, you know, it was the story of their season last year. Um, yeah. The squad, you know, is is brilliant. I thought I thought Sean Longstaff had a really good game. Him coming back into this team was really important when they lost, obviously Joe Ellington, who's 
out for sort of an extended period. It was. It just seems like it wasn't going to end the punishment that they were <laughs> they were handing to Sheffield United. Um, he, th- he thought they were going to break a new record. I thought it was going to be over ten, really. Yeah. Well, fifty-eight percent possession, which obviously is not massively dominant, but twenty-two shots and fifteen of those on target. And obviously, eight of the fifteen on target went in. So you arguably could have said that Newcastle could have been more clinical with the chances they had. Um, but obviously, eight nil is is a fantastic result and unprecedented for them to win that big, especially at Bramall Lane as well, which is supposed to be a difficult place to go. And on the relegated, uh, sorry, the promoted teams, they are all in the bottom three right now, I think, aren't they? Mm. Which doesn't bode particularly well. And Luton got a, a fortunate one-all draw as well to get their first point of the season. Sheffield United, are they doomed? I mean, is this is this a, a flavour of things to come? Can you see any sign of them looking like a difficult-to-beat unit or even scoring any goals? Because they look pretty poor so far, don't they? I thought there were a few positives at the beginning of the game. I thought, I thought McAtee looked really bright. I think he really looks like the most likely player to make something happen for them. He had a, obviously a good season with him on loan last season in the Championship. Um, obviously Hamer as well, who's obviously a really good talent. He didn't really show it in this game. It does look like it's kind of fallen apart a little bit for Paul Heckenbottom. There's been murmurs, mm. I think, around that they're looking potentially to make a managerial change, which obviously can't be great for harmony around the squad. And Yeah. I've heard Chris Wilder's favourite to come back in as well. Yeah, if you're hearing about that as a player, mm. I think you kind of wonder sort of, not necessarily obviously about the manager, but you think about your spot in the squad as well. You've won this, you've won your spot in the team under this manager. And then you, there's obviously not really clarity over what's going to happen there. So then you're thinking, well, you know. Yeah. It's the uncertainty you can't be doing within a relegation fight, isn't it? And I guess there's a question to be asked that if this run continues into sort of December, that's when teams traditionally look to make that cut, don't they? And, and get somebody new in. And there was a couple of teams did it last season quite early. Obviously, Aston Villa being the notable one, they made the change early and different set of players, clearly, uh, different squad entirely, but it makes a difference sometimes to, to do it early. So I, I, don't, I wouldn't be surprised if each of the promoted teams made a change before Christmas. I don't think I'd, I'd be too shocked. I said it was... E- I don't want to obviously discredit Newcastle, but I think there's a stat that actually is quite damning. And Sheffield United only made seven tackles all game. Wow, that's that's poor, isn't it? Chasing the tails, though. That was kind of how easy it was. The Miguel Almiron goal was a joke. Literally, Mm. he just runs through the centre of the pitch and just buries it in the bottom corner. Um, It was just so easy for him. Um, You know, that's not to say that Miguel Almiron is not one of the quickest players in the league, but there was a huge gap. Down, straight down the centre, left centre side of the pitch, and he just walks it straight through and just buries it in the bottom corner. Um, it was embarrassing to watch at times, and you actually, re- I actually said to my partner, I said I actually feel feel a bit for him to be honest. You know, the fans yeah. go into this game, and you know, and let's not forget Sheffield United were at home, which wasn't an away fixture for them. Yeah, so, the stadium was half empty come the full time whistle as well, which you never want to see. Yeah, it's a shocking result, isn't it? Back on Newcastle, if we can, though, Dave, because I don't know how I want, how I expected Newcastle to perform this season because it's an unknown territory for them. Fans have never seen them have elite European competition, one well, off for 20 plus years anyway. 
So are they a top four team? Are they a top six team? Where are they? I predict them to finish outside the top six and just look for European places because the competition in that area of the Premier League is really tight and it still is. You've got obviously Brighton in third, Tottenham in fourth, Liverpool in second. Everything seems different this season with the exception of Man City being top. So what is Newcastle's level and which players do you reckon will be like pivotal for them succeeding if they are to kind of push on and still continue to, to perform well in the Premier League this season? I actually think, you know, there's a few, a couple of players that have actually come to prominence, obviously, you know, the likes of Anderson and I think Anthony Gordon looks really good this season. He's coming on really strong. I think a lot of people question when they brought him, brought him in, obviously his attitude at Everton towards the end, but mm. he's actually proved a lot of people wrong. He had a really good uh, under-21s tournament in the summer and he's kind of really pushed on from that. Um I feel like they're adding to their squad. I think their squad's a lot stronger this year. Let's not forget, obviously, they've got um, Sandro Tonali, who didn't play in this game, came off the bench. Livramento, another really good buy for them. Um, Lewis Hall also came on, I think, made his first appearance. So they've got a much bigger squad. It's just about how Eddie Howe's going to manage it and yeah. manage all of those players because he's actually now got this luxury where he's actually got players to turn to on the bench more so this time around, you know, Alexander Isak didn't start this game. Um, so he's got, you know, he's got luxury of of talent there to use at his disposal. Um, it's it's going to be just interesting to how, see how he kind of rotates and manages his squad in all these different competitions, obviously now being in Europe as well. They'll, he'll definitely have his eyes set. The, the club will have their eyes set on getting through this group. They're, let's not forget they're in a very difficult group in the in the Champions League. If they get through that, it'll be a massive achievement for them. Um, so, you know, that that point against Milan was a really important point for them. Um, it, it's, I feel as though if they can target first to sixth, obviously fifth gets into the Champions League spot now as well, doesn't it? So, yeah. I think they've got to be realistic about it. I think the league is even stronger this year, with the exception of probably the three promoted teams that have come up, what they're showing so far. Um, it's going to be really difficult. Um, Liverpool are stronger. Brighton are arguably stronger. So it's yeah. going to be difficult to repeat you know, the, the heroic achievement that they did last season um, again this year. Um but we'll see what happens. It's exciting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Well, that's brought me on nicely to the next topic, really, which is Liverpool, who, after their 3-1 win against West Ham, which was a really impressive performance again in a season that's been been full of them, really. They're unbeaten. I think they've only dropped two points and they sit second behind Manchester City, which is, you know, not unfamiliar territory for them in the grand scheme of the Premier League, especially in the last sort of five years. But in the last couple of years, they've not really been in contention for the title by any means. Now, I'm not saying Liverpool are up there in a title race, but I want to ask the question as to whether that's the way Liverpool will be looking this season, whether they're looking to kind of push to, again, try and get to the summit. Have they got a team capable of doing that? Because they've brought in the midfield that's completely changed the way they play. They needed that refresh after last season and the season before where it just looked very lethargic, didn't it, in the middle of the park? But I think in this game in particular, it's the best I've seen Alexis McAllister play since he joined the club. I thought he played really well and I think he struggled to find any kind of form and momentum so far. But this seemed to be his turning point. And a 3-1 win against West Ham is not an easy result at the minute. They're doing OK too. So what did you make of Liverpool and, and what's your expectations for, for them this season, do you think, after, what, six games in? 
Yeah, it's a potential banana skin, wasn't it, this game? You know, West Ham obviously have had a really good start to the season. Um, you know, they've brought in some really good players themselves. And Liverpool, obviously, they're learning this new way of operating. The players they've brought into midfield, we've already mentioned over the past weeks with Sabozlai. Um, his introduction to the team, he's had a really good start, McAllister. And all of a sudden, actually, Liverpool have found a way of rebuilding their midfield in a very short space of time. It's actually coming together quite nicely at the right time. And definitely, they should be looking, with the start they've had to the season as well, they should be looking to, to obviously, get back into the Champions League. I think it's a bit too early to say whether they can challenge for the title. Mm. Um I think what they do have going for them is that their attack. I think they're all firing on cylinders. It feels like they're all contributing. Obviously, Jota got on the score sheet today. Nunez is he looks like he's kind of acclimatising a little bit better to the Premier League than than last season. It looks like he's he's obviously making his mark and getting on the score sheet on a few occasions this season already. Um, so it's definitely positive. Um, it's just going to be interesting to see if they can carry on this momentum. I think the only thing I can question is at the times defensively they come apart and I just feel as though that there's still that question mark there whether whether teams can obviously get at them. I think they can. I, don't, I, I still feel like they're probably a few levels off of Man City, which, you know, let's be honest, there are a lot, yeah. of, a lot of teams in this league. Oh, but I feel like Arsenal are a better team than, than Liverpool at the moment. Um, the ironic thing is that Liverpool probably have what Arsenal don't, is that is people the players who can put the ball into the back of their net. Yeah. Um, and it's something that they've not struggled to do, really, over the last few years. So... It's a good result for them. Well, so far in the six games of uh, the Premier League so far, they've only conceded five goals. So defensively, they, they they look pretty solid. I mean, Man City, I think, for context, have let in three. So, you know, they've only drawn the one game out of the six and won the rest. So it's a really impressive start to the season. Their run of games coming up will be the test for them, really. And I think they haven't really been tested a huge amount. I think they've got Tottenham, Brighton and Everton coming up as their next three Premier League fixtures. So... How they come out of those three will be a better kind of indicator of, of whether they're actually capable of staying in the top two even, let alone challenging for the title. But you're right, I think the midfield is a lot more energetic now. Like They were lacking so much energy and dynamism over the last couple of years. But Zoboslai is just really <laughs> tricky player, isn't he? And I think this is the best game I've seen Diogo Jota play for a while as well. He looks like a real threat. And we say the midfield has been transformed, but their forward line as well with Nunes now looking like the player we thought he might be. Salah's still producing the same kind of goals that he, he used to at his, at his peak. So going forward, I don't think they'll struggle. It is just whether they, when they get de- uh, tested defensive that they can hold firm because we've seen without their front uh, their first choice defensive partnership of, of Van Dijk and um, Canate, there's not really much depth for the defences there. That's where I think they'll probably struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and obviously we saw that in the game against Newcastle, obviously the Van Dijk red card. You know, they're, they're only kind of a centre-back away from kind of being a little bit exposed in that area, really. Um, so it's going to be important for them to, to stay fit, especially the centre-backs. I think it's a bit, it's really strange, isn't it? How mm. we mentioned about Liverpool really being thin around the midfield, midfield areas. 
arguably probably one of the, the better areas on the pitch now. Um, and they've bought, you know, they've recruited really smartly actually over the summer. I know they got a lot of stick up for pursuing Jude Bellingham for such a long time. It felt like, but mm. in actual fact, it's probably worked out better that they've managed to get McAllister and and Sir Bosley and. and um, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be an interesting few weeks to see if they can, obviously, improve on this start. And like you mentioned, they've got some tricky fixtures. So if they can navigate mm-hmm. their way through that, and there's no reason why they can't look ahead and, you know, just look on to bigger things. Obviously, potentially mount a, ch- a title challenge. I reckon that they'll probably look at the Europa League as a real distraction now, and probably start resting players for that because. They can, and I think they'll probably try and prioritise the Premier League and getting back to where they feel they'll probably belong, which is you know challenging for the title and uh, anything that jeopardises that. I think Jurgen Klopp will will just kind of put it on the back burner. The Carabao Cup's coming up as well, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. So that, and I think the Europa League might take a back seat for them, but we'll see what their squad can do and how much they can handle. But yeah, the the race at the top of the Premier League is really interesting at the minute. We've got Man City with a hundred percent record, followed by Liverpool, then Brighton, then Tottenham in the top four. Arsenal, Villa and West Ham in the, from down to seventh place. And below that, you've got Newcastle and Manchester United. So, you know, there, was, there were a few teams up there that you could see challenging for a top four last season. There's a few teams up there that made up the top 10 last season. What about, what about so, Chelsea? Yeah, well, <laughs> I have to scroll down the table to see where Chelsea are <laughs> because they're sitting in 14th at the minute. Um, and we talk about United being a crisis club. but uh, Can you have a joke about it because United won this week? Otherwise, I wouldn't have, uh, wouldn't have mentioned it. Well, they're quick to dish out some stick on, on Twitter or X rather, as it's called now. Yeah. But um, they're, they're not doing great at all, Chelsea, are they? But we're not going to talk about those uh, today. Um, I will dwell on Manchester United a little bit, Dave, because obviously United were playing away at Burnley. Um, which was a tricky game because Burnley had changed their style completely from the last time we played against them in the Premier League. They did all right. They they pressed United and they counted really well. But the deadlock was broken by a really sublime Bruno Fernandes goal and assisted by Johnny Evans, weirdly, who, who had an OK game. I've been critical of his signing because it represented a real step down in quality and, and ambition for the club. But he played well. I think he looked really happy to be given his sort of almost second debut, if you like. It was his first full start since becoming a Man United player again. And he's, he looked really thrilled. But the finish by Bruno Fernandes' day, he's the one constant with United, isn't he, that we can rely on. He has his moments where he becomes really frustrated. He gets really annoyed with his teammates, and I can kind of get why. But that finish on the volley to settle the game, literally a game-changer, that guy, isn't he? Do you know what? It's crazy to think. I think this is his fifth season at United. It's not crazy. Is, it feels like he's been there forever. He's, he's, he's the heartbeat. In ways it does, but it's also such a shame that he's probably been at the club in, you know, it's probably it's one of yeah. its worst periods. Yeah. Um, in the last 10 years, there's obviously been some drama in the, at that time, but they got, yeah, the goal itself, you know, it, it absolutely ridiculous technique, wasn't it? The way you just connected with it. Um a great ball from Johnny Evans. Great ball. And I, 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 do you know what? I'm so happy that he's come in and put that performance in because yeah. he's had so much stick all over social media as well that, you know, United are playing this 37, 38-year-old at centre-back and you know, he, he was playing at United over 10 years ago. Why is he still at the club? I just think I'm just so happy that he's come in and put that performance in actually just shut a few people up. Yeah. Um, I thought that pass was out of this world 
Um, but it couldn't have fallen any perfectly. But Bruno made it look so easy, didn't he? Just the way he connected and his body sort of his body shape when he struck the yeah. ball, and the well, placement couldn't have been any better. It's not just the the flight of the ball he had to read. He had to also deal with an angle. Um, and obviously, he's facing James Trafford, who's a really good shot stopper. But he put it in the place that, he, that Trafford couldn't get anywhere near. So for technique, yeah, you could watch on the slow motion, his eyes following the ball at every move towards him. And the finish was fantastic. I think, I think because he struck it first time as well, he didn't really give the keeper any time to react. It was, True. you know, drilled hard and low. And, you know, you've got fraction of a second really to kind of get down to it it's kind of got to be a premeditated save really I think if he's got any chance of saving that um it's going to be it's one of the goals of the season it's going to be one of the goals of the season at the end of the season it'll be in as a, as a contender it was that good and one other topic I just want to look at is Harry Kane Dave he's taken to the Bundesliga so well hasn't he and his goal scoring record has been phenomenal he's scored in every game and in this weekend's game against Bochum where they won 7-0 he helped himself to a hat-trick and two assists and you can question the quality of the opposition, but the quality of the finishing was brilliant. He's right at home in the Bundesliga, Kane, isn't he? He's fully taken on that uh, role that they've lacked, obviously, since the departure of Lewandowski. And they've kind of been in limbo a little bit by now, haven't they? When, when obviously, they've struggled to replace him. And finally, they've got their man. And, you know, he's been absolutely on fire this season. Um it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what his final numbers are in the league. To be honest, come the end of the year, you think it could be Haaland's territory? The, the the seamlessness that he's taken to the Bundesliga has really surprised me. But at the same time, I'm not surprised because he's at the peak of his career at the minute. He's what thirty now, and he knows how good he is. And I think you can see that confidence on the pitch. He doesn't feel like he's out of place at all. I think he looks around the dressing room and thinks, "I'm with players that are at my quality and my caliber now." And that's not to say that he didn't look around the Tottenham dressing room and feel that way. But it's been such a crazy few years at Tottenham, hasn't it, where um, it's been manager after manager and, you know, the expectation has been solely on his shoulders to kind of produce the goods. That to be surrounded by the likes of Sane um, and, you know, seeing the runs from Gnabry and, and plays like that. And Thomas Muller, who I think he's actually said on social media, is probably the player with the best IQ that he's seen for a long time. And these are all players that can see what he can bring to the team and they find him. They all find him and they're all looking for him as well. So real He finds them. He finds them, yeah. He's, he's the same kind of like backs to goal number 10 yeah. sometimes that he needs to be as well. Fascinating. That That's the enjoyment you get though. Is, can you imagine as an inside forward and a winger having that kind of player to link up with and knowing that you're going to kind of bear the fruits from it as well and it's only going to help your goals tally, which it has this season already. We've seen it. Yeah. Um, you know, Sane put a great performance in, unfortunately, against United um, last week, and I can, it can only help the players around him as well as himself. And I think that's actually going to help them mm. in the long run. In the Bundesliga, interestingly, he's not top scorer. It's uh, he's got seven goals so far, but the top scorer is Girassi for Stuttgart with ten, which is mental. I think he's one to think watch for a move. I think Victor is it Victor Boniface as well. Yeah, but, uh, just behind Leverkusen, who's come out of nowhere almost, and yeah. he's a big talent apparently. Yeah, see a few moves from them next summer, I think. Um, but yeah, that's it for this week's pod, Dave. Good to see you. Good to talk about uh, performance against for United, even briefly, where it's not a loss, which is nice to see. <laughs> but as always, if you can, if you're listening to this, hop over to our YouTube channel. That's where we really want to see some traction and some growth. Um, hit subscribe over there. Look at some of these conversations that we're having on here in video format and and join in join the conversation leave a comment that'd be absolutely amazing until next time dave peace out and as always 
glazes out. Speak to you soon. <laughs> See you again. Pleasure.